First John chapter 3. Let's turn there in the Word of God, First John, so we continue going through. Uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever just went through First John, but of course I've spoken on parts of First uh, John, and, and I was noticing uh, actually these, these same verses uh, about this time last year. I just did them, but now we're going through John. And so we're going to have First uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. So, of course, you got Big John and the three Little Johns. And so we're in First John chapter 3, and we're going to do verses 1 through 10. <laughs> Say this in the Word of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. That day, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for the sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that we might destroy, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, that the, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Let's pray again, please. Father, again, Lord, we come before you through the blood and name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, again, we just uh, thank you that we can gather together as the people of God. We're so thankful for everyone uh, that's here. We thank you for everyone that's uh, listening in. And Lord, uh, their desire, uh, dear God, to learn more of you and learn more of the Word of God. Lord, we pray that if there be anybody here or listening that is not yet saved, Lord, they don't have the assurance in their heart that if they died right now, they'd go to heaven. They don't have the assurance that if you came back right now, that they'd go to be with you. Lord, they can have that assurance today. We pray that the Word of God and the Spirit of God would convict their heart and open their heart. God, you draw that one unto you today. Lord, it should be a great day for somebody to get saved. We pray for those that are, are saved. But Lord, maybe sidetracked by the things of life. God, that you'd stir their heart uh, through your Word and Spirit uh, back to the things of God. Lord, thank you for those that are faithful, have been faithful. Lord, give them what they need just to keep on keeping on. Lord, we think of Sister Carpenter right now. Continue to touch her and heal her. Lord, we think of uh, uh, Brother Muxlow's sister. Lord, give her what she needs right now. And also uh, Sister Sarah and others, dear God, that are upon her heart. Again, we think of those that have had uh, loved ones pass away recently. Lord, that you touch them and uh, continue to sustain them. And so, Lord, we need you today. We desire you today and ask you to have your will and way in all things that Jesus Christ might be glorified. And, uh, Lord, that you would build your local church in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we look at this portion of uh, Scripture, and uh, 
And we see a couple of different things here. Of course, we'll see a couple of different uh, families mentioned. We'll see, of course, the family of salvation and unfortunately the family of damnation it will talk about. But it starts off in verse 1. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Well, I'm glad that we have a message of love. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad that we can stand and talk about the love of God. You know, uh, yesterday, uh, my wife and I, as we were celebrating our anniversary, the Moyers, we were downtown, and boy, there was a group down there, literally stood downtown for hours, boy, and they just kept the whole time really just just uh, uh, giving forth a message of, of hate and uh, a, a division. Man, I, I tell you, I, I had to hold back. I just wanted to grab the microphone uh, from them, but I, I'm sad. Hey, listen, I said, I'm glad that's not my message. Amen. The Bible has a message of love for the whole world. And there's no love like the love of God. Matter of fact, the first couple of times that love is uh, uh, mentioned uh, is in Genesis, of course. In Genesis 22, 2, we see love mentioned here. Of course, talking about Abraham and Isaac. And he said, uh, God talking to Abraham says, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So here we see the first time love's mentioned in the Bible. And then in Genesis 24, 67, also mentioning Isaac, it says, And Isaac brought her, talking about Rebekah, into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife. And he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So we see the first time it was mentioned, it was mentioned in the context of a father's love for his child, a father's love for his child. And then the next time it's mentioned, it's mentioned in the context of a bride being loved. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You know, in the Bible, there's what's called first, the, the, the principle of first mention, right? And so when something's mentioned the first time, it's interesting to see how that principle or thought carries through the Word of God. And of course, through the Word of God, you see the love of a father for his children all the way through the Word of God. And through the Word of God, you see the love, amen, of, of the, uh, for the bride all the way through the Word of God. And so we today, as the children of God, we are blessed, amen, we are blessed as children to have the love of the Heavenly Father bestowed upon us as the children of God. And then as the church, amen, we're blessed to have uh, the love of a groom for the bride uh, bestowed upon us as well, amen. So we just say, amen, we got love coming from all directions, amen, as the people of God. And uh, that is an exciting thing to know and an exciting thing uh, 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 to see. And uh, it says here, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath uh, bestowed uh, upon us. And that word means to give of one's accord. Hey, we didn't do anything to earn the love of God. You can't do anything to earn his love, to sway his love. He just made a command decision, amen, to say, you know what? I love you. And you know what? There's nothing you can do about it. Now, usually when people say something like that, say, listen here. I'm going to say something to you and say, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, that's what God says when he says, I love you. He says, listen, I want you to know I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, even though the Bible says he commended his love toward us, even that while we were yet sinners. In other words, when you were ungodly as an ungodly person, as a, as a sinner that was living a life completely contrary to everything that God desired you to do with your life, he still looked at you. He didn't like what you were doing. 
And if you're still doing that, if you're still in sin, he doesn't like what you're doing. But you know what? He still loves you. He still cares about you. Amen. He still wants to draw you to himself. He still wants to save you. But boy, that day, amen, that we got saved again. Amen. He just, amen, we came to know that love. And that love, amen, was poured into our life. And what a wonderful thing. I'm glad to say, amen, that I don't just know about the love of God, but I'm glad to say that love has been stowed upon me and that love is in my heart. Of course, we've been talking about that for a few weeks, and I'm glad to know that in my heart is the love of God. In my heart, there rings a melody, amen? There rings a melody of love, and I'm so glad that I can say, oh, I've got the love of God in my heart, and again, as we've been talking, and what? That is why we care about others. That is why we care about uh, 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 one another, amen? So I didn't say it, brother, before I got saved, I didn't care about you. I'm just Gonna go ahead and put it right there, Brother Wood. Before I got, amen, amen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Before I got saved, you didn't care about me. That's right, amen. But hey, now that I'm saved, I care about Brother Wood, amen. And whether he gets a good cup of coffee every day, I care about those things, amen. And so I'm glad that we can say that. Of course, we'll talk more about that. But it says here to be called the sons of God. Aren't you glad you can say, I'm a part of the family of God? Therefore, the world knoweth us not. Because it knew him not. You see, when Jesus walked the earth, they didn't get him. They didn't get him, so they don't get us. John 16, 3 says, And these things will they do unto you. He warned us. Jesus warned his children right before he left the earth. He said this, And these things will they do unto you. Hey, they're going to do some things to you. Why? Because they've not known the Father or known me. He says, They don't know me. They don't get me. They're not going to get you. John 17, 25, when Jesus was praying, says, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I've known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. So praise the Lord if you are among those that know and have known him. But even after a couple thousand years, the world still doesn't understand. They just don't understand uh, the children of God. But because we're in, we're in two different families, we're, we're uh, headed in two different uh, uh, directions. But uh, so don't be shocked uh, because somebody doesn't like you out there. You know, uh, you know, yesterday when I, when I saw those people down there, you know, uh, one sense, you know, in your flesh, you want to react one way. But really, uh, in my heart, uh, I was talking to uh, Brother Moy about this. I said, you know, what? I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry about the people that don't know. I feel sorry for people that don't under really understand who Jesus is. I feel sorry for the people that don't understand the love that that we have as brothers and sisters that don't understand the love that we have that came to us from God, that they don't understand those things. But thank God they can. But it goes on to verse two. It says, beloved, now are we the sons of God. Aren't you glad you didn't have to wait? <laughs> you know, talking about that day. Hey, we might have to wait till we get to heaven, but I'm glad I didn't have to wait to become a child of God. I'm glad the moment I put my trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that moment, amen, I, I became a child of God. That moment, amen, I, I came into contact, amen, with the love of God, the truth of God, the spirit of God, and all those things that God gave uh, and brought into my life the moment that I got saved. So now are we the sons of God. And uh, of course, uh, here's the thing. If we, if we had to become a son of God, right? Now are you the sons of God? That means you were something before that. 
That means you were something. If you're, a, if you're a son of God now, now are you the sons of God. That means you were something beforehand. But a change has taken place in your life. And boy, and it talks about uh, what we were before we got saved. Drop down to, to verse 10 and uh, note, note what it says in verse 10. It says this, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. And the children of the devil. Think about that. You know that there's children of the devil. John 8, 44, Jesus said this to a group of people. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Well, you know, we don't like to think about that as the devil being someone's father. Well, we like the thought of a loving God being a heavenly father. We, we love that thought because, you know, that, 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 that has a positive thing to it. Amen. That makes you feel good. But if you're going to preach the Bible, you got to tell both sides of it. You can't just tell what makes people feel good. You can't just tell what people want to hear. You got to tell people what they need to hear. And people need to understand that you need to become a child of God. And until you become a child of God, the reality is you're a child of the devil. That's a tough thing to tell somebody. So I'm sure somebody doesn't want, like to hear that, but the Bible makes it clear you're either a child of God or you are a child of the devil. You see, the Bible talks about two different families, right? And they have two different fathers. And of course, how do you get into a family? You're born into it. You see, you are naturally born, right, uh, as a sinner. The Bible says you were born a sinner, Right. And so as a sinner, you were born as a, into a, being a child of the devil because he's the child. He's the father of sin. He's the father of lies. Right. And th that's a reality. The Bible says uh, verse eight uh, goes along with this, too. It says he that committeth sin is of the devil. And you know that you've sinned. And the Bible says, if you sin, you are of the devil. That's not a pleasant thing to say to people. But the thing is, if you care about people, you tell them the truth, not because you're wanting to be mean, but you want them to come to the knowledge of the truth. And they can only come to the knowledge of the truth if you give them the truth. And the only truth is the word of God. And so if the Bible says, hey, uh, you're not saved, you're a child of the devil. The Bible says if you commit sin, you're of the devil. Though that's not a nice thing to hear. Amen. It is a truth from the word of God. And it says, and so the devil, and the Bible says, the devil sinneth from the beginning. And that is why hell was prepared. That is why there's a hell. People wonder, why is there a hell? I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I think I was talking to Sister Judy uh, uh, when she was on her way out to the car. You know, people say, oh man, you just said he was love. You just said God is a God of love. The Bible says God so loved the world. And the Bible uh, talks about this pure love and everlasting love. If he's a God of love, how can there be a hell? I said, you know what? I don't get shocked that there's a hell. I'm shocked there's a Calvary. I'm not shocked there's a hell. When I see what's going on in the world, I see how vile people live and how wicked people live. 
I am not shocked that there's a place called hell. I am shocked that there's a Calvary and that Jesus Christ was willing to die and shed his blood and pay the price for such people. That's what shocks me in a good way. And I'm thankful for that. But the Bible makes it clear, amen, that, that, that there is a devil. And listen, if you commit sin, you're of the devil. And listen, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. So it's like this. The Bible teaches this. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels and then has been expanded to his followers. It has been expanded to his followers. Let me give you some Bible verses about that. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then shall he also say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Look, prepared for the devil and his angels. So really, those that go to hell are going to a place they were never meant to go. Isaiah 14, 9 says this, Hell from beneath has moved for thee, look at this, to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee. Now, when it says dead, it just doesn't mean those that died physically. It also means those that were dead spiritually. Because if you're not saved, you're spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, 1, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Before you're saved, you're dead in trespasses and sin, right? That's a, a, you're lost. And so when you die, if you've never been saved, not only do you have a physical death, but you are already dead spiritually. And so it stirreth up the dead for thee. Even all the chief ones of the earth, it has raised up from their thrones the kings of the nations. Isaiah 14, 15 says this, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. You know, the Bible mentions hell more than it even does heaven. Listen to this. In Ezekiel 31, it talks about the devil being cast into hell. You know, listen, uh, uh, don't let the world feed. The devil's not going to be partying in hell. When people go to hell, they're not going to be partying with the devil. They're not going to be partying with their friends. They're going to be tormented with the devil. When the devil goes to hell, he's going to be tormented. When his angels get to hell, they're going to be tormented. And all those that go to hell will be tormented. That's not a pleasant thing to have to say. But again, we love people, so we have to tell them the reality of what they face if they die in their sin without the Lord with, and never know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Listen to what it says when it's talking about casting the devil into hell in Ezekiel 31. I'll just give you parts of two verses. Ezekiel 31, 16 says this, I made the nations to shake at the sound of his fall. It's a reference to Satan. When I cast him, talking about Satan, when I cast him down to hell. You see, God is the all-powerful one. Satan's not the all-powerful one. God is the all-powerful. There's only one creator. There's only one with all power. There's only one with omnipotent power, and that is God. The devil, he's real, but he has limited power, and he's limited to what God allows him to do in the realm of men. God is there, and that's why God has the authority and God has the power to one day take Satan. And it doesn't matter how much he fights that day, he will be cast into hell. But the Bible says he's not going there alone. Listen to what it says. To be cast down to hell with, look at this, with them that descend into the pit. 
The Bible says the devil will be cast into hell with them. Who is the them? Well, we know it's his angels, but it's always them that never accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that tread over the shed blood of Jesus Christ and continue on their way in a sinful life with them that descend in the pit. Verse 17 of Ezekiel 31 says, they, look at this, they also went down to hell with him. How can it be any clearer than that, right? That he was cast into hell, so were they. And then they went to hell with him. That's a heartbreaking thing to think that somebody's little boy, somebody's little girl is going to be cast into hell because they never accepted Jesus Christ, because they chose their way of life over eternal life and what God had for them if they would accept. When they, when they could know the love of God, when they could have the love of God bestowed upon them, when they could be, be a child of God. So the Bible makes it clear about two different families. But thank, but thank God, listen, uh, uh, it says, he that committed sin is of the devil. But thank God, look what verse five says. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. Thank God for that truth. Thank God, amen. People don't have to die in their sin. People don't have to go to hell because Jesus Christ came, amen, so that they could be delivered from their sin. That's why he was manifested. That's the reason he came. Hebrews 9, 26 says this. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared. Why did he appear? It says to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That is why Jesus Christ died. John 1, 29, we know that. When, Jesus, when John saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Right? And so we see here, not only, he, not only did he die for us, but he died as us. He died, listen, friend, if you're here this morning or you're listening in, Jesus Christ died for you personally. Jesus Christ died as Jesus the Christ, but he also died as Jeff Stewart. He was my substitute. He personally took my place. He died for my sin, and he did the same for you. Amen. For God so loved the world. Amen. We like that. But for God so loved Jeff Stewart. For God so loved Alan Moyer. For God so loved Judy Johnson. Put your name there. That's a wonderful thing that we can say that according to the word of God. You see, it says there in verse 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this was the purpose the Son of God was manifested. If people want to know why Jesus Christ came there, this verse makes How can you get any clearer than this verse? It says, this is the purpose. This is why he came. This is why there's a, 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 a Jesus Christ. The Son of God was manifested. That means made known, revealed. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. You see, that's what sin is. Sin is the works of the devil in and through your life. That's what sin is. It's the works of the devil in and through 
your life. And so that he, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Do you know that the first time the gospel, the promise of the gospel is mentioned, that, that truth is in there. John, Genesis 3.15, the first time the gospel is mentioned, God mentioned that he was, the seed was coming to destroy the works of the devil. Genesis 3.15 says this, I will, now he, God's talking to the devil here. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. That promise right there is saying the same thing that we just read in 1 John, that he, was, he will be manifest to destroy the works of the devil. That's what it says. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Hebrews 2.14 says this, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is, the devil. That is what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection. He destroyed the power of Satan. He destroyed the works of Satan. Again, verse 5 says, He was manifested to take away our sin. Because sin is what gives the devil power in your life. When you choose to sin, when you choose to yield to the flesh, you know what you're doing? You're giving power to Satan in and through your life. That's what you're doing by sinning. But thank God, Hebrews 9.26 again says this, But now once in the end of the world he hath appeared to put away sin. How? By the sacrifice of himself. Thank God for that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Listen, you, uh, you, you might have got up this morning. You're not saved. And you woke up as a child of the devil. You woke up with the devil being your spiritual father. But here's the great thing. Today, you can switch families. Amen. Today, you can switch families. Today, you can change your life. Today, you can change your future through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the whole purpose he came. That was the whole reason that he was manifested to this world. Listen, I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. The love of God has filled our hearts. Amen. The love of God has filled our lives. We care, amen, about one another. We care about the soul of men. We care about the will of God. Why? Because the love of God has been bestowed upon our hearts. So I want you to know, if you're not saved, listen, not only does God love you, but again, we care about your soul and we want you to be saved if you're not saved. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. We sang about that a moment ago. Go back to verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Now are we the sons of God. And look at this. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. Hey, it gets better. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Listen, we, when he shall appear. Think about this. When Jesus wrote this, he was a senior saint. He was a senior saint when writing this epistle. And no doubt, as we've seen in this epistle and other places, he enjoyed, he enjoyed re, uh, 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 reliving the precious memories of walking and fellowshipping with the Savior. 
And now, now, amen, he says, oh, man, it's been, it's been two years since uh, I saw him go up in the cloud. It's been five years since I called him. It's been 20 years. And no doubt he looked forward to seeing Jesus again. And boy, he reminds us, hey, not only is he going to see Jesus again, but all those, amen, who are the children of God will see Jesus, his appearing. So, and, and, and here's the thing. Think about this. When you know someone's coming to pick you up, what do you do? You prepare for their arrival. I know that's true. I raised three girls. <laughs> oh, when they knew somebody was coming to pick them up, duh, believe me, they prepared for that arrival. I remember, you know what I, you know what I told my uh, uh, son-in-laws, right? When they, you know when my girls got married, I said, guess what? Now you got to wait the two hours for them to get ready. You say, you got to pick them up. When you picked them up from the house, they were already ready. Now you got to wait the two hours, amen? Remember that, boys, remember that. Okay, I better move on there. I'll get in trouble. Amen, you prepare for them getting ready. And you know what? We know Jesus is coming back. He's coming to pick us up one day. And you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to prepare for his arrival. He wants us to prepare for his arrival. And that's what this uh, talks about. That's why verse 3 uh, says this, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You see, that's why it's good to keep a focus, as we mentioned before, on the fact that Jesus is coming and could come any moment. This helps you what? To be conscious of preparing for his arrival, for his arrival. He looks at this, this, and what does it say? When he arrives, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Amen. Oh, man. Thank God we'll be like him. Listen, as good as it is being saved, the Bible tells us it's even going to get better. Not only do we get to look forward, amen, to what we shall have, to what we shall get, but we get to look forward to what we shall be. Amen. Hey, listen, I'm thankful for what I am now. Now I'm a child of God. Now I'm in the family of God. Now I, I get to serve God. I'm thankful for what I have now. But he says, hey, listen, go ahead and enjoy what you got now. But don't worry, man. There's more coming down the pipeline. What you shall be. And it says what? Like him. And when we're like him, the transformation shall be complete. You see, we have a body, soul, and spirit, right? You see, when we got saved, we came in, again, we came to the world with what? A lost soul, a dead spirit, and a decaying body. And when we got saved, our spirit got life. Our soul got saved and sealed, but we still got this old body, amen? And one day he's going to give us a new one, and the transformation will be complete. The Bible says we shall be like him. Let me give you some verses to back that up. Romans 8 Verse 18 says this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present world, of this present time, are not worthy to be compared, look at this, with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Hey, I think the glory that's already been revealed to me is pretty good. But it says there's more glory to be revealed, amen, when Jesus comes. Verse 29 in Romans 8 says this, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Say, do you believe in predestination? Yes, the Bible teaches predestination. But I believe in predestination after salvation. Amen. Once you are saved, amen, you are destined to be in the likeness of Jesus Christ. That is after salvation. Amen. Listen, the only thing you're predestined for before salvation is hell if you don't get saved. 
But after you get saved, you'll be predestined to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Romans 8, 29. And then Philippians 3, 21 says this, who shall change our vile body. Thank God my spirit's been changed. It was dead in trespasses and sin. Now I'm spiritually alive so I can have that daily relationship. Thank God my soul was lost, but it's been changed. It's been saved and sealed by the Spirit of God. And then one day this old body is going to be saved. One day, amen, uh, I'm going to be able to walk around without going, ugh, ah, Right? Amen. Something to look forward to there. This body, it says this, who shall change our vile body that what? It may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. What a wonderful thing to look forward to. We shall be like him. We shall see him. You know, this is, I love this verse in Job. Think about this. This verse is in Job. It says this, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, Think about that. You ever see ever see your dead body? Look at it. After my skin worms, my skin worms. Do you know what that means? There's something inside you that as soon as you die, right, it's going to start eating away at you. Amen. It's already there. Oh, isn't that exciting? Amen. Then worms are just like, oh, I wonder how much time he has left. I'm getting hungry. Amen. That's a nice thought, isn't it? Though after my skin worms destroy this body, look at this, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Isn't that amazing that in the oldest book of the Bible, it already it preaches the resurrection of the body. It preaches the resurrection of the body. You see, that shows us that the message has never changed. That shows us the message has always been the same. That shows us that there's always only ever been one way of salvation by faith in who Jesus Christ is, amen, and what he did through his death, burial, resurrection, and shed blood. It says, we shall see him. John 17, 24. Again, Jesus' prayer says this, Father, I will that they also, think about this, think about this. You know, sometimes we're trying to figure out the will of God, but here's one thing you already know. It is the will of God. It is the will of Jesus Christ that you be with him where he is. <laughs> that is, he, he desires you. Jesus the Christ, Jesus, God the Son, has a will for you, and that will is that you would be with him so he can continue to bless you. It says that. Again, John 17, 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou givest me, notice it's a select group, whom thou givest me, only those that are saved, be with me where I am. Why? Look at this. That they may behold my glory. You know, we saw that today. Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. <laughs> Amen. That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. You know, when we sing, we like to sing about, you know, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. And we talk about that mansion that he talks about in John 14. And we talk about the streets of gold. But really, the reason he tells us about that mansion, he tells us about that streets of gold, is to let us know what's important down here isn't going to be important up there. Right. You see, gold's a big deal. Right. Boy, th them guys and girls can't wait to get that gold ring. They don't want an asphalt ring. Huh? Right. Uh, it, I mean, uh, girls, if he proposed to you and brought an asphalt ring, that wouldn't be too exciting, would it? Amen. Remember that, Joshua. Right. Remember that. But you see, up there, up there, I'll probably say that tonight too, Joshua. Anyways. Uh, right. But up there, gold is the asphalt of heaven. It, it's like, oh, gold. Yeah, big deal. No, no. What's going to be a big deal up there is seeing him face to face. When you see him, I can go see that mansion anytime. 
Ah, streets of gold. Hey, that's just a pathway to get to the throne. Amen. Where I can see my Savior. We shall see him. That is a wonderful thing. And again, when we know that he's coming again, we know that we're going to be like him. Again, verse 3 says what? Purifieth himself. When you know, hey, now are we the sons of God. You see, I understand what he's done in my life. I understand what he's done. Now I'm a child of God. I understand what he's done in my life. I understand that he's coming again. I understand that I'm going to see him face to face. I understand that he's given me good things and there's good things to come. And because I understand what he's done in my life, I understand what he's going to do in my life. You know what? That, that puts a desire in my heart to want to live for him. That puts a desire in my heart, amen, to want to glorify him. That puts a desire in my heart to want nothing but his will to be in my life. He purifieth himself. Amen. That means every day we live in a conscious awareness of what he's done in our life, a conscious awareness that he's coming again. And because of that, why do I want to live for the world? Why do I want to live for the flesh? Why do I want to allow sin to have control in my life? No, I want to purify myself. Amen. Hey, listen, I know one day I'm going to be like him 100%, but I want to see how much of that I can get done down here. That's what the Bible is teaching us. Amen. I want to see how much of this old flesh I can get out of the way down here. Amen. Again, as we said before, I already have all of him. What's the problem? He doesn't have all of me. Amen. And I, every day I want to turn more over to him. Amen. And purify and be what he'd have me to be. Second Corinthians 7, 1 is a good verse. It says this, Having therefore these promises, what? That you are, a, you are a child of God, that his love has been bestowed upon you, that he is coming again. And all these other uh, uh, wonderful, precious promises we've talked about, because we have these promises, dearly beloved, look at this, let us cleanse ourselves from all what? Filthiness of what? The flesh and spirit. I'm glad it just doesn't say spirit, even though we know it's a, you know, we worship him in spirit and truth, but this flesh too, this old body, right? Perfecting what? Holiness in the fear of God. You see, I want to purify myself. I want to be what he had me to be because I fear God. I'm not afraid of God. I'm not afraid of God. But I, I, it, what the fear is, it's a holy respect. And the fear is, because I love him so much, because he loves see me so much, the fear is that I would do anything, allow anything in my life, like Paul said, that would make me a castaway and not be able to. The, the greatest fear in my life, I, I hope it is, is that I would do something stupid and not be able to serve the Lord to the same capacity Amen. That I'm able to serve him today. The thought that I couldn't serve, Lord, that's just a devastating, that's just a devastating thought. And it should be a devastating thought. Why? Because, amen, we love our God because he first loved us and we walk in his fear on a daily basis. Let's try to finish up here. Verse four, whosoever committeth sin transgresses the law for sin is the transgression of the law. See, those that commit sin and violate God's standard are not living in the awareness of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. See, the Bible teaches us there's a right way to live. As Christians, we need to remember this. The Bible has commands. The Bible has principles. 
And it's out of these commands and principles and precepts as we study the Word of God that, that, that we develop and learn of our, the, the standard of living we should have as Christians. Christians should have a certain standard of living. You know, I was thinking about this day, you know, when Christians say, well, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if you do this or if you do that. But I notice those that say that they always choose the lower standard. Well, if it doesn't matter if you have this low standard or that, you know, if it's somewhere in between here, why do you always choose the lower side of the standard? I notice people that say that always choose the lower side of the standard. We should want to choose the higher side of the standard if there is a somewhere between here and here, Right. We should want to choose the higher side of the standard. So these commands, principles, and standards are guidelines of safety, what? To keep us on the right path as believers. Finish up verse 7, little children. What have we seen all through this book? Little children, little children. He's constantly giving instruction to his little children that they might grow up and be the believer he wants them to be. Matthew 7, 20, verse 7 says what? He that doeth. My little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth, notice that word, righteousness, is righteous, even as he is righteous. What's Matthew 7, 20 say? Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Verse 9 again. Whosoever is born of God, look at this, doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, but he's born of God. Verse 6 says this again. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. It says, he that's in him sinneth not, doth not commit sin. Well, it says his seed remaineth in him. And of course, we realize this is talking about the new man. <laughs> the new man who's created in righteous true holiness cannot sin. First Peter 1.23, it mentions that seed, says, being born again, not of what? Corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth ever. We're born again in the family of God. How? By the word of God by the incorruptible seed. Galatians 3.16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. You see, the seed of the written word and the seed of the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. Or we could say this, the seed with promises and the seed of promise, amen? Jesus Christ, amen, are in us as believers. And they are incorruptible. The word of God is incorruptible. Jesus Christ is incorruptible. And what does that mean? Not capable of corruption. That new man, that's how we stay saved. Because there's a new man in us that was brought forth by the word of God, and, amen, the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ, which are both incorruptible, so that new man can't be corrupted. And that's what, that's what keeps us saved, despite, amen, what might happen in this flesh. That's the grace. That's the grace of God. You see, what a wonderful thing. Verse 9, again, is talking about the new man. They sin not, because if you allow Christ to live through the new man, inside you, you have the new man. Again, brought forth by the incorruptible seed and the indwelling person of Christ. Let's, I'm trying to finish up here. Verse 10. Again, let's read this. In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Look at this. Whosoever doeth, notice that word again, doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. 
So you, you notice these so far, even though we're only getting about halfway through First John, what do you see? Where do you see? You see, you see this word a lot: do, doeth, do, doeth. You see, uh, there's an emphasis on that. We'll talk about that in a second. Let me give you a couple verses real quick. Jeremiah 31.3 says this, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. We know that. Romans 6.4 says, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Again, we've noticed as we've been going through 1 John, the words do and doeth in such words are often mentioned. And what does this verify to us? Verifying there should be clear evidences of salvation. The Bible teaches that when somebody's saved, there should be clear evidences of salvation. And if you don't see those evidences being manifest in your life, again, you better check on whether you're sure you're saved. If you say again you're saved and you don't see these evidences, they don't line up with the Word of God, then I'm going to say something is wrong. You see, you see, because change, the change affecting our action and desires and things, we should see these. Again, we do not get, you know, like religion, we don't get saved by doing things. But we do, we, we, is this, we don't do to get, but we do because we got. <laughs> Amen. That's what we do. We don't do to get. Religion says do, 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 but it never tells you when you do enough to get what it is you're trying to get through that religion. But salvation, amen, you got it. You're now the child of God. You now have eternal life. Amen. You are now assured that one day when Jesus comes back, you're going to be with him. And because you know that, amen, you want to do those things, amen, that uh, 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 give evidence that your life has been changed. You see, you feel like, and so that's a wonderful thing. So listen, the Bible made it clear. Two families mentioned here, two families. You're either, you're either, you're either a child of the devil or you're a child of God. You're either in the family of salvation or the family of damnation. And the deciding factor is if you've ever put your trust in the shed blood and the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you did, that moment, you could say, I'm a child of God and his love has been bestowed upon you. But today, you know what? If you're not saved... God wants you to switch families. God wants you to switch futures. Today, he says, come unto me, amen, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Today, you can come and say, oh, I want to switch families. I want to switch futures, amen. I want to know that I know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I want to walk out of here a child of God. Let's pray.